Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Chris on, who is a meteorologist and weather presenter. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. How are you doing? All good. Well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. In uh, you know, it's a bit chilly out there at the moment, but it's it's not so bad, you know. And it's getting lighter, which is the main thing. Yeah, that's a massive thing for me. I love it when it gets lighter. <laughs> um, so, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what you actually get up to, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an ITV meteorologist and weather presenter. I primarily work um, for ITV Anglia, which is the region here in the east of England. But I also cover other regions across the country, um, doing cover and bits and pieces. And my main job is effectively to analyse the weather on a daily basis and come up with the forecast or look at the sources of the forecast and produce the forecast story and provide it in an understandable way for um, viewers, the public, so that they can plan their days, plan their weeks um, and understand the potential hazardous weather or maybe even the, you know, the better, nice weather. Or it can be boiled down to sometimes it's whether you can get your washing out and dry it on the line. But <laughs> I'm there to provide um, information and, and, and knowledge on that and, um, yeah, and try and make it interesting in certain ways I can too. So... A meteorologist, has there always been a sort of love for that kind of thing or where does that come from? Yeah, so so I absolutely have like, fell in love with the weather when I was a kid. In fact, I can remember um, I, like, basically I've, I've always been interested in um, weather since a really young age, probably from about age six, actually, oh, wow. when I built my first ever rain gauge with my dad when I was younger. And I can remember building it, putting it in the garden, going out on a daily basis, checking, you know, how much rain we'd had, what the temperature was, looking up at the sky. And, you know, I've really been interested in weather. And then when I went to high school, secondary school, I, my geography teacher, she um, just encouraged me to learn about geography. And I love the, like, learning about the world. It's constantly, a constant ability to change how things are going. Um, the processes that take place and I then took that on to a level and then a de and degree level two and it's basically understanding of the natural world and the natural environment that we live in um, and that's basically where my passion for weather has been sparked from and, and comes from. So what did you study um, after a levels at university? So I, I, I loved doing GCSE geography um, and I then took that on to A-level as well. And I really worked out, if, if you guys are both, or if you know anyone that's a geographer, there's two sides to geography. There's the human side to geography and the physical geography. And human geography is things like your populations, your settlement, why people locate in certain places. Um, whereas physical geography is what I class as the, it's the hardcore understanding of um the study of the earth and processes involved so it's the hurricanes it's the glaciers it's the coastal erosion it's your rivers it's your um climate change it's it's everything that i would class as the interesting science of the world how it's formed how it's been created and um and you know my love for weather was taken from when i studied um, physical geography at the University of Reading back in 2000 and I graduated in 2011 now so yeah, well, that feels a long time ago um, so yeah and my love and passion for weather has come from 
um, like people along the way, like inspiring me, but also from um, from geography, really. At university, were you able to tailor your course or any of extracurricular stuff around the weather and be able to actually focus in on that passion? Yeah. So what was really good, actually, is when I was at the University of Reading, um, they've got this ability that you can take other subjects, particularly in your first year, other topics um, from other areas. And one department that's very strong at the University of Reading is, is metrology. So what I was able to do is because metrology and geography and environmental science, they're all kind of the earth science sciences which are linked. I was able to take modules from metrology, uh, science, and my, my tutor at the time also was a, was a climatologist. And I can just remember, I think, being able to talk to her about certain things and then my love for weather and the understanding of weather and climate um, was able to, I was really able to tailor my course. So I really made that my, my degree was really picking the subjects and learning about the subjects that I found the most interesting. Now, I obviously for um, being a meteorologist and a broadcaster, going into that sort of field of meteorology, there's so many different things you could do. But how come for you, you decided to go down the broadcasting route? And did you have any background in that sort of creative arts industry? That's a really good question. Um, So as a kid, I probably did you know, I was, I was actually really involved in, in technical theatre. I love stage lighting and all that kind of thing. So in regards to like being in front of the camera, it was less so of what I did, but I've got no problem with, I've been doing talks and presentations and doing big group talks and bits and pieces for a long time. In fact, even through my, my degree and been comparing and been event hosting. So I've been doing um, effectively some some kind of, in front of or in house in front of house kind of work as it were um but when i like the, the route i took after i finished uni is I, I joined the met office and trained to be a meteorologist um and trained to be a forecaster and it was then a kind of it you know the it's the communication side that I think my skill set is in and I narrowed down I thought where do I sit best in this area and it kind of it, it worked into this position that I, I was much better at doing public weather and therefore broadcast meteorology, which led on to the media side. And originally it started with me briefing weather presenters and television pres- and uh, meteorologists and other broadcast meteorologists with the story, because that's that's part of the process. And then I worked for um, I worked for Channel five actually for a, for a year alongside um, Claire Nazir, um, who's another with the potential meteorologist uh, for them. And um, basically I then took that, that opportunity because it don't come up very often, took that opportunity to, to apply for a, a job at ITV. So uh, you, you kind of mentioned it there, but how did you actually get your foot in the door um, to get, to get this kind of job? Because like you say, there aren't many of these jobs around. I think, yeah, I think the reason why there probably aren't so many of these jobs around is when is the reason is is because people absolutely love doing this job Mm. um and it's a really um fun um it's also an important thing that everyone looks for particularly in the news i even remember as a kid like saying oh put the put the tv on let's just watch it or we had the news on and it was always like that bit we need to watch the weather at the end so we can plan what we're doing for the weekend or whatnot so it's, it's this thing that has a has an impact on everyone's life 
um, although it's maybe in the back of your mind. So when it came to, so I applied for the job at the Met Office back in, I, after uni, I travelled for a bit, decided that I wanted to do some weather. And I then, I then basically applied for the Met Office and joined their trainee scheme. It was six months, very intense six months in the, their Met Office college training process. And then a six months of on the job training as well. And then you become a qualified meteorologist and you're then let out into the world, wide world. And there's so many different areas of meteorology that you probably never thought about um, how the weather impacts. So, you know, the, the first one to think about is, which we did a lot of work with, was aviation. So we worked really um, very closely with the RAF as well and the front line. Um, we work with commercial customers such as um, Sainsbury's and Marks and Spencer's, um, other supermarket brands, the energy industry. What 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 are the supermarkets looking for? What, what so kind of... They're really interested in like the longer term <sighs> forecast stuff. So if we're talking like maybe a tent from ten days from now, they're looking at things like um, you know things like in the summer, are we going to be needing? Um, barbecues out in time are we needing to get our seasonable goods are we going to be having some really hot weekends are we going to need more ice cream shipped in are we going to be needing more strawberries and it's down to this whole thing in fact um one supermarket i I can't i don't think i can name the exact name um but one supermarket were able you brief them in the morning at half past eight and you tell them what the story was for the day and you say oh actually folks the story's changed it's going to be a warmer day a brighter day and actually a really nice afternoon and they had this ability that they could change in some of their London stores they could get out more sandwiches wow. for their lunchtime slot because they knew the number of people that would go out and buy a lunchtime sandwich you know meal deal for example go sit there in the park exactly exactly wow. it was that kind of you know the the knowledge of these things that you just think about wow, we can really fine tune by knowing all this data and, and they can look back on previous days when you could say, oh, this is when it was last like this from previous data. And then they can turn around and say, oh, well, we know from that day, this is how many things we sold and these are the items we sold. So let's get more of that in. So it's a very analytical role in, in some aspects. Mm. Oh, very much so. In fact, one of the, what, here's another one that's very interesting, a funny, interesting fact. We had a... We had a, a um, a crisp this is very off off topic we had a crisp um a company i think it was i can't remember and they 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 shipped crisps around the uk and they were really interested in strong winds and i was like why would they be interested in strong winds and obviously the reason is is because when you transport crisps they don't weigh very much (laughs) so the problem that these big lorries couldn't actually transport loads and loads of crisps because they would just blow over in very strong So, yeah, you know, it it impacts a lot of different things. And and obviously that's just a small part. And I then took that step and went down into into public weather and and radio and TV. So you sort of mentioned it a little while ago. At at heart, you are a meteorologist and you're probably a broadcaster for more like 5% of the day. What does the, correct me if I'm wrong, if there is a slightly different uh, percentage, but what do you do in the rest of the day to research for that? See, this is this is the, always that question. It's everyone says you're only on telly for two minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, so you've got to remember, I think the first thing you've got to think about is when you wake up in the morning and you turn on the, the TV and you're watching Good Morning Britain or another broadcast, for example, um, to get your local news and weather. And you've got to remember that that 
that news program and that weather program, that weather information has come from a source that, you know, they don't just rock up at 6 a.m. And, the, and there's the forecast. So a meteorologist team for us here at, for ITV, we, we use uh, the Met Office. And there are broadcast uh, the meteorologists working throughout the night 24-7. So it's a 24-7 role, what I used to do, um, where, you know, you're analysing data, you're looking at model output, and then you are effectively um, seeing how well the model is coping right now with the current situation, and you're then assessing how well it's going to forecast over the coming few days. And then, so my day-to-day -day role effectively is I am analysing data, I'm looking at new model runs that are coming in every few hours. I'm looking at the current situation, what we've got now, um, you know, particularly in the summer months, we're really interested in when those highest temperatures are going to be. So we're keeping an eye, I'm keeping an eye on the, the maximum temperatures across the region, across the country. Are we close to any records? What type of, you know, have we got any more, is there more cloud than what the model wants? Because that can have an impact on the temperature. So we're constantly mm. analyzing the data and providing that data from a reliable source. And then my main role obviously is the, the broadcast that I do. So I do a total of, um, Anglia, I do 12 a day. 12 um, a day? 12 a day, yeah. That's not, wow. that's, and when I cover other sites, um, I think the most I've ever done is about 30. 30 in is in a day? Yeah, in a day, yeah. Wow. So that's quite a lot. And you think that's quite a lot of work. Yeah. And being, you know, you have to be, um, you, know, you have to be engaging, you have to be informative, but you also have to be, um, you have to be quite, you know, enthusiastic and be able to talk and, and, and still make that story interesting because otherwise people will just switch off. So yeah, I can imagine that's quite hard because I mean, I can almost imagine for you to like go on air, you've sort of got to hype yourself up and get ready. But if you're doing 30 a day to get that sort of energy to do it <laughs> constantly must be quite tricky. Yeah, it, it is quite tricky. Uh, I think the difference, I think because you get, get like a passion for it and the love of it comes out and, you know, you, your the adrenaline is there so, you know contrary to belief when it comes to forecasting people think and weather presenting people think that you're just reading auto cue so weather is one of the few things in news that there is no auto cue it's just so when i look in the camera unlike a newsreader they see their auto cue and their scripts when i look in the camera I see myself and the graphics behind me because it's all chroma keyed. It's all green screen technology. So when I look actually behind me, there's nothing there. So <clears throat> I'm, I make my show. So I know what I need to be saying, but I don't exactly know the phrases that are going to come out of my mouth until I say them on the fly. And in my ear at the same time, I've got someone counting me down to zero and everything has to end on zero. Yeah. So it's quite a, you know, you're you need to make this story interesting and you need to make it so it's relatable and understandable and, um, and getting that information across is the most important part too. And I think that finishing on zero is, is, is the key. So I can imagine, uh, I've seen some of your previous roles, you were able to <clears throat> leave the office <laughs> quite a bit and get outside. <laughs> do you still get to do that so much with broadcasting? So that is a great question. And now the thing is, is for me, um, you know, I love in the winter and the summer to be, you know, it's lovely to be in the comfort of the studio where it's air conditioned in the summer and it's nice, warm and toasty in the winter. But as I'm a geographer through and through, 
the best place to be is outside <laughs> and that is where the weather is and the viewers they want to see you they want to see you outside so I've done things like you know I'm a bit of a yes man which is I think <laughs> work love they'll say Chris we want you to be um we want you to go and do kayaking tonight can you kayak in the program I'm like yeah of course I'll do that like I've done things like I've done forecasts on the top of zip wires I've done it um, sailing a boat I've done mid-program teases with I've done a full forecast with baby lambs during lambing season like nibbling wow. my jacket, you know and, you're and the thing is, is when you're on location as well you've got that added pressure where you, there's no graphics there's yeah. no script there's just you the cameraman or camera operator and and that little person in your ear going three two one and you're done, you know, and it's like you just are praying that you are in time with the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> praying. And of course, they love it when it goes wrong. And that's the worst bit for you on location. Yeah. But the viewers absolutely love that. So, yeah. So this is sort of a double question. Um, we generally ask what sort of personality traits do you see in yourself that have helped you get here? And I sort of want to ask it for both the meteorologist side and also the broadcasting side. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's start with the metrology side. So first of all, it's the passion and the love for what I, I study and I learn about. And I, you know, it's something that impacts everyone every day. And, you know, at the end of the day, us Brits love talking about the weather. So you have to be prepared for that question. Even when you go down to the, you know, you fill up your car with fuel or you go shopping and someone says, you know, the small talk is, oh, it's really warm into me this weekend. And you're like sitting there going, actually, it's going to be about average. And you're like, no, <laughs> I need to not say that. I need to not say that. Yeah, we've got about this uh, 20% humidity. And <laughs> yeah, well, Or they say, oh, I heard that it's going to be snowing this weekend. You're sitting there going, now, do I say anything? <laughs> really? You know. So I think uh, you have to have that real passion. Um, there has to be that analytical side. So I've as a, a, I trained in geography, so I, you know, I, I'm a geographer at heart. So I've always been looking at data. I've always been looking at pattern recognition and understanding different things, which is a skill. But then as a meteorologist, they're always looking for other skills. So they're looking for chemists, they're looking for physicists, they're looking for mathematicians, um, lots and lots of different skills. And earth science is a great way. So that's the kind of like degree kind of thing you need, but you can branch out and have anything. In fact, people on my meteorology course my, my forecasting course at the Met Office work from all different walks of life and backgrounds and that gives a real broad spectrum of skills and um, which is really important but at the end of the day you have to have that passion that wanting to know and, and understanding and I think then when I've come to the broadcast side my skill set so one of the things when you train to be a meteorologist at the Met Office is um, you become an aviation forecaster now, an aviation forecaster is someone who is forecasting for every aircraft in the UK takes a forecast from a, met, from a meteorologist and the RAF and everyone. They, and, you know, we are we are giving very specific sets of information and criteria. And if we say, you know, um, for example, the wind is going to be X speed in this direction and knowing full well that actually the runway at, say, for example, Heathrow or Gatwick, that will cause large crosswinds, then the, you know, our forecast can have a big impact on, on the, tra the travel at the airport and that can have big impacts on their operations. So, you know, it's quite a, a, a specific role. Um, whereas my area of expertise or my, I'm not, 
I, I'm a bit more of a, uh, more of a communicator. So I like to speak to people. I like to talk on the phone. I'm happy to do more briefing jobs or now as I do stand up in front of camera or do radio and stuff. So, you know, you, there's a lot of variety um, in the analytical side, but then being able to deliver that in the right context for your customer or in my case, I suppose my customer is the viewer or you guys at home. So for me, going through my career, I've I've sort of fell more and more in love with analytics and data. Mm. And you've sort of said, you know, there's a lot of data you have to probably read through and learn what or pick out the bits that are needed. Did that sort of come naturally to you? Or was that a skill you picked up at, um, at university or later on working for the Met Office? I think like, you know, you always, like you say, you, as a, even as a youngster, there are things that you you feel you're good at, and there are things that you you know you have to push yourself and, and try and learn. And I I was because I just had I you know the geography side was always looking at data, but kind of having a reason for that. So what does this data show? Why does it? What is the outcome of this? And what does that mean? And so. You know, I had that kind of background knowledge of understanding a bit of the maths, a bit of the science or understanding the science and putting that together. And I think that's then basically where I've come to today is on my daily basis. I'm constantly analyzing, I'm analyzing data, I'm reading output and still learning about this you know it's still a science and it is still also there is a part of an arts people say there's a bit of an art in forecasting because at the end of the day you've got to remember that you are effectively predicting the future of what is going to happen on the understanding of what you have of the atmosphere so you know it's the one job in the world that potentially if i get it wrong i still have my job (laughs) (laughs) hopefully that's a good actually so how accurate now are our models and have they got more and more accurate over the years so our so the forecast has improved greatly um, and that really has become from from our computing power you know our ability to now have you know the fact that our mobile phones nowadays can do so much and it's just in the palm of our hands whereas you go back 10 20 30 years and the computing power used to take up you know huge huge buildings just to do small simple procedures and small count what we what we class now as small calculations and so our i think it's our five-day forecast now is as good as our one day forecast was 30 years ago. Wow. So that just shows how that's improved. The problem is now is that there is so much data to analyze. The computers are chucking out so much information. It's looking at the right piece of data Mm. in the right time and analyzing it in the right way. That's the key skill now. Mm. And I guess what for you um, is the biggest positive of the career you've chosen? Or the best thing I think I love about my job is I love that every day, you know, I'm, I'm effectively doing something that I love. It's a passion that I have and I'm telling it to someone that maybe it's, you know, it's just me and you for the next two minutes are going to go on this little story, on this journey. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with the weather, what it's going to mean to you, what it's going to feel like. And that allows you to take it away and, you know, you can... You, your day 
or I've provided you with some information that's going to help you. And I think the, the best part of my job is the forecast is a really big part, but also there's what we call the, the pre-chat. So the pre-weather chat. Um, what we do just before the forecast and that's a little bit of we have a little bit of fun it's the light-hearted part of the program particularly like in today's you know in the last year because of what's been going on with covid etc it's that little bit of normality that we can have a little bit of fun we can okay let's learn and, and i you know we do little features so we learn something we go and we go and meet people we go and do things at schools or we go to locate go to a location we do the forecast there and I think it's getting out getting doing stuff outside like the fun stuff that you know that I would never think about being able to do that on a daily basis that I am doing and I'm absolutely loving every day it's hard work don't get me wrong it's, it's very hard work and there's a lot of pressure involved but it, it you know it all pays off in the end on the uh, flip side of that, what would be some of the less favourable aspects you've, uh, you've encountered? So that is a really good question. Um, I think from the metrology side, when I, was a, when I was a metrologist, the hardest thing I did struggle with was weather is 24-7. It is a shift working job. So, you know, you're doing day 12-hour day shifts, 12-hour night shifts. Wow, um, that's a long time, isn't it? On yeah, day and nights. Exactly. It's, it's a really tough, it's a really tough job. Mm. And that's, you know, writing forecasts at 4am in the morning when everyone's asleep and you're just like, oh God, this is tough, you know, mm. but, but it still has an impact. And, and those really tough weather days when, you know, particularly at this time of year in the winter, one degree can make all the difference to the forecast. Mm. And you can write this fantastic forecast. It's all going to plan. And then you just do about, about to do your handover at half past seven or seven o'clock in the morning to the next person that takes on the baton for the day. And you're just sitting there and you can see that everything in your forecast is falling apart. And you're thinking, I spent 12 hours on this. Oh, why, you know, why? Is this yeah. Happening? You know, it doesn't happen very often, but there are those days and you're just like, oh, gosh, I wish it had gone right. But I think the worst part of my job in regards to the broadcast metrology side or what I do now is is now seeing how fast the global temperature is rising and how that is impacting our weather story how that is impacting the records and impacting the planet on such a daily basis or you know on, on now you know even in, in the in the time that I've been doing the job everything is it's now that it's the hottest day on record it's the we've had the hottest summer we've just in 2020 was the hottest um year globally on record we've had the highest number of uh, hurricanes in the atlantic hurricane season and you know you're hearing all these records being broken all the time and the records in some aspects particularly the temperature go back to like 1910 for the uk and we are beating them you know year on year and 2020 has just hit the, the the hottest decade. You know, it's ended the hottest decade on record. And I think it's that rapid increase in temperature rise, and the fact that we are now so perilously close to this 1.5 degrees Celsius rise. We're already at 1.1 Celsius, 1.2 Celsius. So, in the next 10, the next 10 years are going to be vital into making a difference globally. We have to. Oh. You're more or less on the front line of, of that whole uh, global warming. What what sort of things do you think as a country, as a world, that we can really do to, to make an impact there and, and stop this? 
So I think that's a really good question. And the thing that a lot of people ask all the time is, or they say, it's a global problem. What can I do? What am I doing? And the thing is, is that if everyone had that idea, you know, um, then we're not ever going to make any progress. And it's little things at home, even to that, like, you know, I'm a pure, I, I like eating meat, but we've, we've gone into now take doing just one day a week to two days a week of what we call meat, you know, meat free, meat free Monday or whatever I think it started with last year or year before. And just doing that cutting back and doing small life changes or turning your heating down one half a degree Celsius or one degree Celsius and buying food that is more sustainable, you know, buying things that you can get sourced more locally think about your carbon footprint think about you know do i need to buy asparagus from um puerto rico or do i need to buy um can i get it locally can i get it something that's more um more sustainable and will have less of a carbon footprint impact you know even things like i don't need does anyone need bank statements printed anymore you know mm -hmm. things like that can you change everything can you make small changes in your life and actually if we all make those small changes it will have a bigger impact what's it going to look like uh for the uk if this kind of carries on for the next 10 years just a lot warmer or will it get a lot warmer and a lot colder so i think that's the thing isn't it when you say to people oh so the the, the be all and end all is that with climate change happening um for the uk we're likely to see warmer wetter winters so we're like, less likely to see snowfall and frosts. In fact, I think it's by 2050. I might be wrong, wrong there. Don't necessarily quote me on that. If not by 2100, the south of the UK is basically not going to see any frost days anymore. So temperatures, we won't, you won't just get a frost in the south. So that does have some benefits because you could be seeing like the, the growing season will be increasing in that. So that does have some benefits. But the other side to that as well is that our summers are going to get hotter and drier. And... When we see, um, you know, temperatures last year were jumping up, I think two years ago in 2018, we saw temperatures, the high, hottest ever temperature ever recorded in the UK at 38.7 Celsius in Cambridge. And then last year, we saw literally three or four days where temperatures were like the mid to upper 30s. And, you know, and it, I think also it puts it into perspective on our weather graphics that the color scale doesn't go higher <laughs> on the, the numbers don't change they're going to get any darker and you're thinking we need to be changing this i think and that's <laughs> more dark color, isn't it? but that that would be a milestone though if if at one point you guys had to actually go right we, we need to change the the color system because our variation is just getting wider and wider it will be the next 10 years that we will see 40 degrees celsius here in the uk wow without a doubt in the next 10 years that's if we don't change what we're doing and, well you know the thing is as well that we have to remember is that even if every single one person in the world we stopped producing carbon dioxide today carbon dioxide does have a decay it lasts in the atmosphere for up to 100 years so there is still the fact that we will see these impacts happening but we need to slow that curve down we need to absorb more of that carbon dioxide you know we all these you know have this technology out there now to um absorb this carbon dioxide and remove it from the atmosphere we need to be doing those kind of things to make this dramatic change um <clears throat> so i think it's really important that we are basically 
thinking about the climate and thinking about what we can do individually on an individual basis to have an impact. Mm. Absolutely. And um, what would be something that it was not in the job description that you never expected uh, going into this industry? That is a very good question. Um, something that was not, I think being that kind of, um, when you're in the public eye, which you don't, you, you forget is that you are susceptible to a lot of people very quick to comment on stuff. Mm. So, you know, you might sit there at home in the evening and we all do it. And you just look at someone on screen and say, well, we wouldn't have worn that on screen today. But the thing is now that with social media, people are very quick to say that, actually message you directly. Mm. I think that something that doesn't come in any of the, the stuff that you're told, you have to be quite thick skinned at times um, because people can be quite quick to complain about stuff. And I'm not saying that that's like a knock on, you know, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot. I'll, I'll say that now. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's when you're trying to do your best and then someone can just knock you down from it. You know, I wouldn't go out in the street and turn around to someone and say, Oh, I don't like that coat you've got on for someone I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? You, you just never would say these things in, in person. No. So, so why, you know, what was the, the thing that happened last year? If you're going to be, if you can be anything, be kind. Mm. So if you don't need to say it, don't worry. And is there anything uh, for <clears throat> potentially young meteorologists or broadcasters that you would recommend doing that maybe is not so natural on the career path of studying geography or things like that, that would really help them? Yeah. Well, I would say try and get some experience, try and, you know, go and maybe try some, go and see if you can do some work experience, see if you can get in contact and maybe have a go at presenting the weather or maybe have a go at um, going to do a trial period at a job. And, and also I think the thing you need to think about as well is that whatever age you're listening to this, um, particularly youngsters, you don't make sure you study something that you enjoy and you want to learn about and you want to, you know, you want to understand and you want to, to go and learn about because the last thing you want to be doing is, is studying something that you don't think is going to, you know, you're not going to enjoy. Um, that's a real big thing to have a passion for it and, you know, read and ask questions, get involved, ask questions, find out about stuff, um, visit you know, try and get in contact with companies and ask for, do they have any graduate programs? Do they have a way in? Are there, um, you know, but you've just got to make sure that you do something that you want to do and you'd like, you, you enjoy doing. Thank you. And uh, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Do you know what? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It is the best job in the world. It's the best thing I've ever done. Um, I was really, it was really a tough decision for me to make to leave the mail office um, because I had so many great friends and I loved the weather and I loved doing that. The difference is, is that now this is like the best part of that job. Mm. Every day I am doing, you know, I'm telling you at home something that is going to have an impact on your life potentially, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, what you're going to wear and whatnot or what you're going to do. And I think as well, particularly now with the climate stuff, you know, these buzzwords such as net zero, um, as um, carbon sinks, et cetera, all that knowledge and all that, that talk is going to become more of our day-to-day -day, um, speak. And 
we're at a great position to provide that. And if it means that you can take something away from the one minute or 30 seconds before the weather that we've given you a little bit of information, you've learned something, that's a really good thing to do. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with us, Chris. It's been uh, it's been really interesting, actually, and it's um, it's just nice to hear someone who's super passionate about what they do. No, that's uh, much appreciated. Yeah, and um, no, thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you again. And uh, where can people find you on Instagram? And what is the average time that you'll be on ITV so we can come watch you? <laughs> so we are on weeknights ITV at about six twenty. Um, but as you know, there are more broadcasts throughout the day. You can also check out um, the website, which is itv.com forward slash for me. It would be Anglia. But there are other, obviously, presenters out there as well. And on social platforms, I am at Chris Page 90 And on Facebook, where we do a little bit more in-depth chats and bits and pieces, I am uh, Chris Page TV. Awesome. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Cheers now. Cheers.